this would be a shortish message. Richard changed that to short, but I'm sure it still will be a shortish message. And I've given it the title, Eternal Life Needs Three Births, which has already caused some controversy, but I'll try and explain it. Let's ask a, let's, let me ask a question. Who liked algebra at school? There's a few of us still around. Yeah, that's good. Right. So, we could have an equation here. E for eternal life equals B1 plus B2 plus B3. How come? Well, we'll come to that in a minute. If I ask you to add two meters and two meters and ask you to justify your answer, I wonder what you would say. I hope you would say four meters. And advise me that we use a uniform system of numbers and a metric system for measuring length, weight and capacity. People of my generation were perhaps a bit arrogant and used a different system which we called the imperial system. But I won't, go, I won't bore you uh, with all of that. It was good for mental arithmetic, counting in twelves and twenties and threes and twenty-twos and etc, etc. It went on. Just to see if you're still with me, here's a test for you. Richard, Colin and I went for a snack the other day and we weren't sure exactly what the bill would be so we each put ten pounds which our wives had given us earlier we put, we put ten pounds on the table and said to the waiter just pay whatever's required from that so he took it away and he said to the cashier table seven how much do they owe? And the cashier said, £25. So the cashier gave the waiter back five single coins. And being a bit dishonest, he put two in his back pocket and gave us each one back. So each of us have spent £9, right? Ten minus one is nine. Three nines are 27. And the two the waiter had make 29 where's the other pound? <laughs> that seems very logical and it's a good party game but it's flawed because it's a wrong way of counting let's get back to important things the message and that is certainly not flawed because it comes from God's word and to help us do that, make sure it's not flawed, and to help me give as good a message as I can possibly do with his help, let's pray together. Our God and our Father, we thank you again for these wonderful testimonies of your grace and your love and your care that we've heard. Lord, again, we just come and give you our praise and thanks for that. And Lord, you would help each one of us as we look at particular passages of Scripture, whether we are 
uh, older Christians, please encourage and challenge us the same if we're newer Christians. And Lord, especially we ask for those still seeking, for those still to make that decision, that you would be here by your Spirit speaking to their hearts. In Jesus, our Saviour's name. Amen. Our first scripture reading is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 3, the first 16 verses, and you might want to read along. It's on page 1065 of the Pew Bibles. John, chapter 3, verses 1 to 16. Very famous story recorded for us by John. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again and for he reads she as well unless he or she is born again or born from above how can a man be born when he is old Nicodemus asked surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born and Jesus answered I tell you the truth no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We'll finish our reading there and just say, Amen. Thanks be to God for that reading. One eternal life needs three births. Firstly, I think it would be good to define our terms. What do I mean when I talk about eternal life? And we have another useful scripture to help us. Again from John's Gospel, this time later on, chapter 17, verses 1 to 5. And I'll just read it for you. It's on the screen. Jesus' prayer to his Father. 
Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Amen. Eternal life, a gift for those who believe in Jesus and also believe that God sent him. God the Father sent him. And it will mean never-ending fellowship with God. A very good friend of ours, who happens also to be Marion's cousin, a fine Christian lady, writes lovely poetry. And I'd like to read this to you because I think this encapsulates very well what God's kingdom, what heaven is all about. Can you imagine a world without pain? where happiness melts all our sorrow and shame, our sadness replaced by a joyous release, anxiety for an abundance of peace. Can you imagine a world without tear, where love in abundance relinquishes fear? Perfection replaces our envy and pride, our spirit and soul emerge purified. Can you imagine a world never-ending, no lurking shadows or darkness descending, the songbirds' melodious tones ever ring, while creation basks in eternal spring? Can you imagine a world where God reigns, the fulfilling promise for each to acclaim, atonement for sin, and this world's degradation, worship and holiness? glorification eternal life with the living and true God let's look for a few moments at birth number one ours not because ours is more important simply because it's where I started where I decided to begin it's something that every one of us has in common. One day, in my case, long, 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 long time ago, I was conceived and nine months later, I was born into the light of day. I don't remember very much about it, and I'm sure you don't remember your birth very much either. God's Word reminds us that we were created in God's image and he created us to freely worship him. We weren't created as robots. We've been given the choice of following God or doing our own thing. And unfortunately, since the days of Adam, we've all followed our own way we've distanced ourselves from God and we've fallen far short of his standards. Fallen far short of his standards. And the word for that 
you know as well as I. S-I-N. Sin. The sin, this sin separates us from God as we are told in many parts of the Bible. It makes it impossible for us to have fellowship with Him. There's this huge divide and we are powerless to do anything about it. The consequences, if left, are quite dire, as Paul points out. A good friend, Johnny Wilson, was wearing this t-shirt last week and I said, Johnny, I'd like that as a visual aid. You might not be able to see it, but I'll read it to you. For the wages of sin is death. But there's another bit which we'll come to later on. The wages of sin is death. You can't get much more final than that, can you? Final answer? Final answer. Separation from God forever. Sin spoils, sin spreads, and sin separates us from Him in this life and the next life. And it would seem at this point, for those who don't know, that God could just wash His hands of His whole creation, turn His back on us, forget all about us, leave us to our own devices, and be subject to the penalty that he has laid on us. We've been born into the world of the flesh, into the sin-filled world. Verse 1, you and me. Verse 2 is the birth of Jesus, which we celebrate, don't we, on the 25th of December every year. Let me ask you a question. Was Jesus' birth any different from ours? Well, it wasn't in purely physical, human being born sense, as he was born as a completely human baby boy. It was different in another way, though. Let me ask, was your birth prophesied? Did any of your ancestors predict that six or seven hundred years down the line you would be born? Chances are, no, that didn't happen. But down through the pages of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, God had been promising through His prophets that one day He would send a Messiah, a Saviour. Matthew's Gospel reminds us of what Isaiah had recorded 700 years previously. God had put in Isaiah's mind to write this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. In the same Gospel, we read that the angel gave Joseph, who was Mary's betrothed, instructions as to the baby's name. The baby's name was to be Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. God sent Jesus to remove the barrier 
which our sins have created between us and God. Norman Warren, in his book Journey into Life, describes it this way. He says, God's character is like a coin. It's like a coin with two sides. On one side is justice, and on the other side is love. His justice rightly condemns us for sin, and that must be dealt with. That must be punished. Yet wonderfully, his love makes him long for us to become his friends again. And on the cross, his justice and his love were perfectly satisfied. Sin had to be dealt with, so God the Father sent his Son, Jesus, to die in our place, bearing the death penalty which our sins deserved. And just before he died on the cross, Jesus cried out, It is finished. And that wasn't a cry of defeat. It was a cry of victory. It was as if he was saying, I've done it. The debt of man's sin has been paid. The way back to God is now open. And now thirdly, and lastly, the third birth. In that first reading we had, Jesus explained to Nicodemus that he must be born again, or born from above. Nicodemus, like lots of us most of the time, thought in worldly terms that that was just impossible. He had been born from his mother's womb once. No way could it happen again. You and I are born flesh and blood into the kingdom of the flesh. And in Romans 8, verses 7 and 8, we read, the sinful, the sinful mind is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. And that, friends, is all of us in our human condition. But good news there is another kingdom which Jesus spelled out all during his ministry. The kingdom of the spiritual. The kingdom of the eternal. And this is the supreme realm of life, the place where God himself dwells. And just as there's no entry into the ordinary flesh life except by natural means, so there is no entry into the kingdom of spirit life except by spiritual means. A new birth. Another birth experience. This time, a spiritual birth. That's what Jesus was telling Nicodemus, and it may be what he's telling someone here tonight. And he's certainly reminding all of us here tonight. You must be born again into the kingdom of the true and living God. And unlike our earthly kingdom of flesh and bones, 
this is an eternal kingdom. And even more important than its timelessness, it's a place of supreme quality, the place where God himself dwells, the place where, where there is no more pain, no more tears, no more sin, only peace and joy. How do we come by this third birth? For our part, simply by believing Jesus, believing who he is, the Son of God, believing why he came. He came to take our sins on his own body. And that's what he accomplished. He did accomplish that. He opened the road again. He built the bridge so that we can again have fellowship with God. Let me show you some contrasts. I borrowed these from the Moody book of theology. Let's compare the first birth and the second birth. So far as origin is concerned, the first birth is of sinful parents. The second birth is of God. The means of the first birth, corruptible seed. The means of the second birth, incorruptible seed. The nature of the first birth, of the flesh, carnal. Second birth, of the spirit, spiritual. The realm of the first birth, we are Satan's slave in our humanity if we just stick there. Whereas the second birth realm, we become Christ's free people, Christ's free person. And the position of the first birth, we are in a position, we are an object of divine wrath. Whereas in the second birth, we are an object of divine love. See the contrast? First birth, second birth. We are regenerated, if you like, instantaneously. There's a spiritual birth which occurs given by God when the Holy Spirit imparts new life. It's not a result of human experience. It's not something that we can do for ourselves. It's not based on any human effort. It's an act of God. Jesus took our sins on his own body. His blood was spilled for us as we remember every time we celebrate communion. He gave his life that we might live. He lived and died to buy my pardon and yours. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Let's just in the last few minutes summarize. By ourselves and because of our sin, our separation, our falling short of God's standard, we are unable to restore our relationship with him. 
so we stand condemned, guilty, deserving God's judgment. But praise God for what he has done. He prepared man for the coming of Christ by giving him the law to convince him of his failures. He highlighted forgiveness of sin by the rites of sacrifice and by his teaching through his chosen prophets. Then the prophecies were fulfilled. They became real. God became man in Jesus. Miraculously fully human and fully divine. He demonstrated his love for us and his holiness at the cross at Calvary because that was the only perfect substitutionary sacrifice for the repentant sinner for you and for me. And he showed through the resurrection his acceptance of the sacrifice of the victory that had been achieved over sin and over death and over evil. God will give us a new nature, a new heart, make us new creations. We will be born again into his kingdom as we were born into the human kingdom. He will organize the new birth for us. Let me read the full verse here on Johnny's t-shirt. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And what's our part? What have you and I to do? Well, we've got to believe in Jesus and in what he has done for us. We've got to be repentant. We've got to admit our sin. And we've got to be genuinely sorry for that sin. We've got to really hate what we've done. And we've got to be willing to change. We've got to accept Christ into our lives to be our Lord. We have to be accountable to Jesus. We ask Jesus to be our friend and to control our lives. We make a clean start and having a new birth freely given by God assures us of eternal life with God for eternity. This is called conversion. Turning away from sin. It's our response to God's offer of salvation through his Son, Jesus Christ. Three births, one eternal life. Those shortly to be baptized are affirming publicly, as they have done from this pulpit, they're going to affirm publicly that they have this new life, that they've been born again. And there may be some other people here tonight who have been questioning what life is all about and perhaps 
God himself has spoken to you, are you ready to say yes to Jesus? Yes, I too, Lord, need to be born again. Is Jesus inside or outside your life? Can I encourage you not to ignore that invitation? I'm going just in a few moments to say a prayer and I'd like to ask everyone to have their eyes closed. If you feel that you would like to accept Christ as Lord and Saviour, just please stand during the prayer as I say the words of commitment and acceptance which you can repeat silently into yourself. The words again are taken from journey into life. Let's all bow in God's presence. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned in my thoughts, in my words, in my actions. There are so many good things I have not done and there are so many sinful things I have done. I'm sorry for my sins and turned from everything I know to be wrong. You gave your life upon the cross for me. Gratefully, I give my life back to you. Now I ask you to come into my life. Come in as my Savior to cleanse me. Come in as my Lord to control me. And I will serve you all the remaining years of my life in complete obedience. Amen. Now you may not have felt led to stand, but tonight perhaps when you're in your own room, quietly, then you could just repeat some of these words and ask Christ into your life. Three births needed for eternal life. The main one being born again into God's wonderful kingdom. Accepting God's free gift of eternal life. Before the baptisms, we're going to sing again its name of all majesty. <laughs>